The Bible says that Jesus slipped into our world through the kind of the back roads and the outlying districts of one of the least important places on earth. And that God has allowed uh, his program for human history to unfold ever so slowly, hasn't he? He lived for 30 years plus among socially very insignificant members of what many people would consider a negligible nation, though one with a very rich tradition and divine covenant. He grew up in the home of a carpenter from a little middle eastern village of Nazareth. He grew up as an ordinary workman. Many would consider Jesus a blue-collar worker if he were to work today. During the last three years of his life, he lived like a gypsy. In his trail were 12 very suspicious, ADD, doubting, distracted ragamuffins who just didn't seem to get it. Not knowing from one day to the next where he would sleep, he was a traveling, truth-telling preacher who had a message. Some would have thought it very narcissistic of Jesus to actually make the statement, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And the people were saying things, things like, wow, he speaks with such amazing authority. Surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. In Mark 1.22, they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority, the Bible says. In Matthew 13, we read when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there and coming to his hometown, his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas, aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. In John 8, 51, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews had a real hard time with this. And they actually looked at him and they said, uh, now we are positive that you have a demon inside of you. Abraham died and as did the prophets, and yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater, they said, than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be, they said. And Jesus answered this, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
so they picked up stones to throw at him. But the scriptures go on to say Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's just for a second, let's stop the tape on what we've just heard and let's rewind because this wasn't supposed to, this wasn't be kind of the way it was supposed to go. This can't be right. Jesus offending people, people wanting to stone Jesus, Jesus living like a gypsy, Jesus not being understood. This isn't possible. This couldn't have been possible for Mary. Mary had to think about the birth announcement that was read earlier. Mary had read the prophecy in Isaiah that said, For us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And listen to the absolute beautiful language, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Well, if he was such a wonderful counselor, why were people trying to stone him? By the way, the idea there of wonderful, when it says wonderful counselor, our typical understanding of the word would be kind of causing wonder or astonishing, admirable, excellent, right? That's partially right. But the Hebrew word here, actually that's being used, has kind of the connotation of something you would marvel at because it is supernatural and beyond human quality. And it wouldn't also be wonderful counselor in the sense that many of us, <laughs> many of us don't think that all of Jesus' counsel is wonderful. <laughs> Do you get it? But it was wonderful, and it is wonderful because it's supernatural, even though many times it, go again, it goes against the very heart of who we are. If he was a mighty God, why would people take offense at him? Why do I? Why do you? The fact of the matter is, is that Jesus' mouth got him into trouble. What emanated and what came out of Jesus' mouth was what sent him to the cross. Did you ever get your mouth washed out with soap as a kid? I grew up a home, in a home where my mom and dad believed in spanking. Oh my gosh, I said it. <laughs> I'm now politically not correct in this audience. I can't believe it that I said it, but I actually grew up in, actually I grew up in the home where many times I had to pull my pants down and people spanked me on the bear tush. Ouch. And I know that many of you mothers are sitting, how could they? How, it's not possible, <laughs> you know. <laughs> many times I had to go outside to get the switch off the tree. Think about the pain of that, to go outside and look around and I remember one time coming in with a with a big log with from my from my mom <laughs> my mouth got me into it often a lot of trouble and my mom believed in like the Christmas story the, that Christmas story coming on where the kid had to put the bar bar of soap in his mouth you know 
My mom one time couldn't find the soap and I was elated because I had come home and I was with my friends and I was walking in the front yard and she heard me say this very nasty curse word that I didn't even know what it meant. And I was just saying it and we were having fun saying curse words and sure enough, you hope that your mother don't, she doesn't hear you speak in such terrible language and she heard every word. And as soon as I got into the front door, she used all three names, which, were, which was the tip-off for either the switch or something bad. It was Joel Kenneth Walker, I need to see you. And that's when you begin to, oh, okay. And she walked in, she goes, find the soap. And that was hard and easy at the same time because I always couldn't find it. She goes, I'll find it. And she grabbed the liquid ivory. And I... I, I can remember just, just looking at her and saying, There's, you, you're not going to put that in my mouth, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. In the same way, Jesus got himself, his mouth got him into a massive amount of trouble. And I want to get back to that in a little bit. But I want to explain something to you here. That's kind of a connection point for us. Because there's a, there's this, this is the second week in our series where we want to talk to you about the three offices that Jesus fulfilled as our Redeemer. And Randy talked with you last week about Jesus being our priest, and today I'm talking to you about Jesus being our prophet. And next week, Randy's going to speak with you about Jesus being our king. Prophet, priest, king. Let me give you some context. Stay with me. In the Old Testament, God set up three very distinct offices in governing the people of Israel. The first was the prophet. Let me give them to you really quick. Prophets spoke God's word to the people. They were the wordsmiths for God, the truth sayers. They were famous for saying this line, thus says the Lord. Moses was a prophet. Do you remember the guy who confronted King David on his sin. Do you remember that guy's name? His name was Nathan. He was a prophet. He spoke for God to David about David's sin. That's the prophet. We're going to get back to that. Then there's the priest, what Randy talked a little bit about last, last week. In the Old Testament kingdom, this is, these are the three offices that were anointed by God. The prophet, the priest, and the priest served the people. He offered sacrifices, prayers, and praises to God on behalf of the people. He represented the people to God. And the last is the king. The king ruled over God's people as God's representative. Pretty easy to understand. Now, in the New Testament, when Christ comes, we see Christ actually fulfilling all three of those offices that I just gave you. He is a prophet. In fact, he speaks God's word to us. He is truth-telling. Truth, he is a truth-telling, truth-saying teacher, preacher, prophet. But here's the difference. Where in the Old Testament, the prophet said, thus says the Lord. Jesus does it differently. He says this, but I tell you this. Jesus does, doesn't speak for God. Obviously, he is God. Jesus was, as a prophet, he was not just the messenger. He was the message. Do you get it? He's the quintessential prophet. In John's gospel alone, he, use, he uses the phrase, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, 50 times.
times Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The scripture was written, was read today. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God. The word was God. All things were made through him. And without him, not anything made, not anything was made that was made. And then lastly, or secondly, Jesus fulfills, and Randy spoke about this last week. Let me give it to you really quick. Jesus is our priest. Christ serves the people and continues to serve the people of God as God's representative. But where the Old Testament priest offered sacrifices to God on behalf of the people, Jesus does what as a priest? Jesus became the sacrifice, right? On behalf of us. He died for us. Do you get it? Hebrews 4.14 says this about Jesus being the priest. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. This is all going to make sense in a minute. Follow me. And lastly, obviously next week it'll be interesting to see what, what Randy shares with us next week. But Jesus fulfills the role of a king. Christ now rule, rules over his people. He is king of kings. So as Mary looked at the birth announcement in Isaiah, now she looked at this baby. Think about, kind of transport your mind back there. Now she looks at this baby in swaddling clothes, right? And the angels had sung glory to God and the cows were around and they have like these halos on their heads and And Mary treasures up all these things, it says, and she ponders them in her heart. What a day. What a day. Can you imagine that day for her? Think about it. What a day. Shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And angels freaking them out by just deciding to break into chorus. Come on. Are you serious? You tell me the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor? What a day. Have you ever had a what a day day? I had a what a day day. Many times in the uh, mountains of Colorado, I loved to go fly fishing by myself. And um, I remember hitting the water one morning up in this high mountain river with, after I had drank like a billion cups of coffee, mornings just, you, you set out in, you're just shrouded by these giant mountains. And I start walking into the water and has this mist on it. And I grab my rod and I see all these fish in the stream. Sorry, ladies, this is kind of a man illustration. And the day was a what a day because I couldn't keep fish off my line. It was amazing. And I got to the point at the end of the day where I had caught no fish for two hours and I thought it's getting dark and I, one more, one more. And every good fisherman prays for the last good fish. So it's almost getting dark. I'm out by myself and I decided to walk into this hole that was way deeper than I thought it was. And I took a step and it 
come right up to like an inch below my waders. My waders were here, just to let you know, if water goes above waders, water rushes in and you go down. Well, I held on and threw my last line and was walking out and I had this huge pull that almost threw my rod out of my hand and I, and it just, my rod sizzles, you know, this like river runs through it, you know. And I looked, and as I, as I trying to pull the fish this way, and I look, I begin to walk this way, and I see not more than about, about three feet this side of me was two deer in the water next to me, swimming in the stream. And I was like, you want to talk about what a day? <laughs> I was like... This is amazing, Lord. You're so awesome. This is awesome. You know, I started, like, I got a deer beside me. I got a fish on my line. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what a day. Have you ever had these? And this had to be the concept. This, uh, these emotions that this woman must have felt on this, what a day. This Mary must have felt on this when these shepherds actually come and all these people visiting her in this cave-like place that she births the Savior of the world. She couldn't possibly have known, though. She couldn't possibly have known what God's intentions were for Jesus. There would be many people who wouldn't think that her son was such a wonderful counselor. So, in closing up the last piece of the sermon here, let me just ask you something. I asked myself this question this last week. And it came from Randy's question last week, which was a good question to us. And it was this. If Jesus was prophet, priest, king, why, why do we need a priest? But my question to you today is, if Jesus was prophet, priest, king, why do we need a prophet? I mean, I... I really like the manger swaddling clothes, Jesus. I even like Jesus as a priest. Follow what I'm going to say. I even like Jesus as a priest. I, I like that. I like miracle Jesus. Jesus, give me fish. I'll take miracle Jesus. I love him. I like the uh, who is without sin may cast the first stone, Jesus. You know that, Jesus? who protects the prostitute. You know why I like that story? Because I'm the prostitute. Because when Jesus went down in the sand that day to write on the sand, he wrote my story in the sand. But Jesus is a prophet and Jesus is a king. Come on. Because prophets tend to make things very uncomfortable. And the last thing that we would ever want to talk about in this season would be the possibility of, we, of us serving a prophet truth-telling Jesus that makes us uncomfortable. Because I'm just like you. I don't want to be sad. And I don't want to be depressed. And I don't want to be offended. And I don't want to have people telling me the truth. They offend people with the truth. They say things like this, repent. You ever had anybody say that to you, by the way? 
Think about that. It'd be pretty offensive in today's world, wouldn't it? Hey, dude, repent, okay? You ever had somebody say to you, get your life right. What are you doing, you freaking pothead? Hmm? And you look at the Old Testament prophets, they were some, some of them were crazy. And you look at John the Baptist, he comes out of the wilderness like with his big belt and eating locusts. They say things like confess. They say things like stop. And let me just say it. <laughs> Truth is attractive until it is aimed in my direction. Especially when I'm in sin. And that's the very reason why I need Jesus, the prophet. John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light. You see, my friend, I don't know if you're like me, but even as a child of God, I still have a tremendous yearning for the darkness. And I need the light to condemn the very darkness that I want to wander into. That's why I need the prophet truth-telling Jesus. I need to know that there is a power greater than I, and I need the bright and stark truth of the light of Jesus in his gospel. I need it. Do you? We go to the Word of God where Christ, our mighty prophet, speaks to us and we listen. I follow what I'm saying. We listen. We lean into His words. We actually believe something. And here's what we believe what you're saying to me is life, it's truth, it's the way I'm supposed to think and do things. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want you to change me, actually, in my marriage, in my relationships, in where, you, you, do you get what I'm saying? It's different than just believing this season of, this is the cool manger, Jesus, everything's kind of good, I like talking about Jesus, but there's a difference of, there's a transference, it doesn't get lost in translation, there's this transference of information where I go to the scriptures and I say, what you're teaching me is my life, is my truth, and I will believe it and I will do it. I will struggle doing it. Back to the scripture I read, and I'll close with this. Aren't they asked all these questions? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Joseph? Aren't all the sisters? What in the world? Where's this guy coming from? And it says this. And they took offense at him. And so the, I guess the point would be for me, would be, Jesus, offend me. Because you are my great teacher. You are the quintessential prophet teacher that I need to hear in my life. Offend me. Show me all the areas of my life. Put light right onto them. Offend me, Jesus. This really sounds strange, doesn't it?
then it says, Jesus actually said, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. So here would be my last point. Where's Jesus' hometown now? It's in your heart. It's in your heart. If you're a child of God, Jesus' hometown is in your heart. Is he without honor there? How do you honor Jesus the prophet in your own heart? Because that's where his home is. How, do you, how would you honor him during this season? It's good. It's a good thing for us to consider. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus and thank you for the birth announcement. The fact of the matter is, Lord, is that we want everything about Jesus. We want the prophet. We want the priest. We want the king. We want the grace. We want the truth. We need it. We have to have it. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that you sent into the world in flesh to be our Savior, to live a life of very active obedience, to be our model, to be our teacher. We would ask you, I would ask you, Lord, to please, if it's going to be offending us, if it's going to be loving us, we, you know what we need. So whatever it is, we open up our hands to you. Bring the truth to bear in our lives. Speak to us what needs to be spoken and allow our hearts to be open for what you need to say.